Blog Talk Radio. Good morning, listeners. You have reached the Voices of the Cannabis Wars News from the Front Lines, where every week we get together. Um, today just happens to be Sunday, the morning of Sunday at 9 o'clock a.m. on the 28th of August. We've got some news for you, um, some really good news for you. Um, we, who are we? We are the Voices of the Cannabis War. I am the host. Mindy Griffiths is another host. Um, we've got volunteers that help with this show. Becca, she sometimes volunteers. Um, Eugene Fisher, who volunteered his whole heart and soul, who has passed away, we know, still listening to the show from the other side. So we want to give a shout-out to him and all of our other people who have fallen in this war. We'll get into that at the end of the show, so stay tuned for our closing. That's very interesting to know um, how many people have actually died uh, fighting this battle of cannabis. Um, so what this show is a mission in order to bring the voices to reality as we have over 50 people serving life sentences in prison and many, 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 many more incarcerated. So our goal of the show is to be able to get the news, what's going on behind bars, what are our prisoners dealing with, what right from the front lines is what's going on with prohibition and hearing from people who are free, who are doing things to end prohibition, like our first guest, his name is going to be Michael Scott. Michael Scott is a volunteer for the nonprofit 501c3 group, and I think he actually found the group too. Um, but their mission is to bring positive change. That's 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 what PC stands for, positive change, um, throughout um, throughout um, education, in order to help end prohibition. So he's going to be our first guest at about 9:05, and after that, we're going to talk to Craig Cecil, who's serving his 15th year of his life sentence in prison for cannabis. He risks going on lockdown every single week to call into our show. Um, and after that, we're going to also talk to George Monterano, who just got out of prison after 33 years of his life sentence. George was a very, very good friend in prison with their former host, Eugene Fisher, who just recently passed away. Um, they spent a lot of time together. Eugene was in there for 25 years of his life sentence. And we're going to talk to George about his, his journey to the Seattle Hemp Fest this year, where I got to meet him. And it was amazing, and he's an amazing, amazing man who we talk to on the show every single week called Georgie's Corner. Um, and uh, meeting him was spectacular. Um, we're also going to meet another. Um, I also met another lifer who's going to be calling into our show after George. His name was Jeff Mazansky, um, and Jeff was at the Seattle Hemp Fest as well. And meeting him was like meeting God. You know, it was just amazing. These. These men that they've kept locked up and kept their voices are now free to share their voices and to help other prisoners get their voices heard. It's just, it's just beautiful. Um, and then after that, we're going to talk to Tom Corby. Um, he's going to give us a chapter update from the Northern California Human Solution chapter where he sits up in Northern California and tries to end prohibition on a daily basis. Um, so um, first, I want to introduce you guys to the other host of the show. Um, she's also not just a host of Val Radio, but... She's the founder of the group, and she is also a prison outreach specialist. Um, when I call her a specialist, it, it takes a lot to be able to do prison outreach, and there's not a lot of people who know what they're doing or how to do it, and Mindy, Mindy's got it all figured out. So good morning, Mindy. How are you? I'm doing great. How are you, Kristen? I'm good, except for, you know, I got a, a message from a woman by the name of Sharon Duvall this week, and that is the mother of... Jerry Duvall and the grandmother of Jeremy Duvall, who just 
both recently went to trial. Jeremy's out already, but his dad is very, very sick in prison. And her message was very, um, very upsetting to me because, you know, we've done a lot of advocating for Jerry. He was just in the hole. He's, a, he's like a triple bypass organ transplant. Um, anyway, he's he's really sick in prison, and he's in, in the shoe, and she, he's in there again, and his mother is worried sick about him, Mindy. So we got to get some outreach for him. I'm going to start working on a flyer that we can – we can get out there so we can get him some cards. But oh my goodness. I don't know. I know. And don't you know another prisoner that you want to talk about um, who's getting out soon? Oh, Chris Martin. Chris Martin, I uh, got a message from his wife, Andy, who's been on our show a few times. And it looks like his release date is in February. And they're already planning his, um, you know, a welcome home party in March. And, you know, Chris, I knew him before he went in, and um, so it's it's quite a long ride with him since, you know, to see him finally get out is going to be amazing. Yeah, Chris Martin, he got in trouble for medical cannabis down in Arizona, and he's like a real big advocate in Arizona, real real fought, fight for his rights and everybody else's rights while he's in there. Now, Mindy, um, we're really close friends with Stephanie Landa, who has a group called Freedom Grow. It's a nonprofit 501c3, and she sent me a message this morning. You know, she used to call into our show every single week, but her son is in prison. She went to prison for cannabis for four years and got out, despite for all of our other prisoners, as she raises commissary money for them. But now her son's in prison. So I just want to give a shout-out to Stephanie, who can't call in because she's visiting her son. And so I'm going to read this message that she sent. She said, I'm visiting him every Saturday and Sunday. Yesterday was our first contact visit in five months. Hugs and seven hours of visiting. Yay. I am. I also mailed out $2,200 to our pop prisoners this week. $2,200. Yes. Um, I miss everyone. Yeah, I miss everyone, but for the next year or so, I'll be at state prison every weekend. The warden and the fire captain reviewed my kid and said he will be going to a firehouse with five other people to live there and work at the firehouse because the warden said that my kid was not jail material. I can't wait till he has moved. Love you guys, Stephanie. So that's a great message. Uh-huh. Yes, uh, I got to help Stephanie create the list of who was gonna, you know, the for that uh, money, and it was really awesome. Cool, cool. Well, if you if anybody listening wants to donate, they can go to freedom um, freedomgrow.org. And donate money. It's a nonprofit, so you can donate money right put on a prisoner's commissary. And Stephanie will distribute it to plant prisoners only. And um, your your money will go a long way behind bars, as they only work for 12 cents an hour, and they shouldn't be there in the first place. So we got to help them out here. Um, so Mindy, we've got our first guest on the line. Um, his name is Michael Scott, and Michael Scott is a volunteer for a group called Project PC. That's pos- Project Positive Change. And through positive change, they are educating the community in order to help end prohibition. So his group is a nonprofit 501c3, so we're going to get him on the phone and find out what Michael Scott and Project PC has been up to and how the Hemp Fest went for them. Good morning, Michael. Good morning. How are you doing? This is <laughs> Yes, this is Kristen Floor, and you're live. Um, the Voices of the Cannabis Word News from the Frontlines with me and Mindy Griffith, who's the other host of the show. And um, how are you doing this morning? Good. A little tired. Long night uh, working on stuff, but uh, good. Thank you. 
that's good. That's good. So what have what have you been working on? What's 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 going on in your life with Project Change? Well, or Project uh, Public Change. Yeah, Project. <laughs> I guess you got to talk to Megan somewhat about that. Uh, what two weeks ago? Yep, yep. She was. She told us about the, how you guys are educating people through a series of uh, flyers. Yeah, um, it's kind of crazy, the whole thing for me of why we even started it was, uh, um, you know, cancer scare for me and learning about the healing properties of cannabis. And uh, when I started to heal, I go ba- went back to what I used to be doing was uh, television and film production. So I started documenting what was going on in our state um, initially in Washington State. And... Uh, that's you know the whole thing started to evolve and I realized as I was going through it all the people that were fighting amongst each other um, you know separation and division of people and I knew yeah. that we needed to change that somehow so that's yeah why. I, noticed, I noticed too I, that's why that's what attracts me to to your group is that it, it the word positive in 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 the name that 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 a lot, you know, it kind of knocks out all the all the trouble that can be caused because you focus on positive. Yeah, and that was the whole thing of the working title of the thing I started doing. I gave the name of what I was doing was Positive Change. <laughs> I realized, you know, it was called a Project DC, uh, ongoing project to do this. And uh, yeah, that's that's how we initially started to evolve, and then folks started joining in to give a hand. Uh, so yeah, that's the we've been shooting and creating uh, shooting video of things that are going on. Patients, doctors, researchers, scientists—you name it. Uh, we've met uh, the majority of the folks, uh, at least that I could find, uh, or you know, a great deal of those that are in the know that have been studying and researching now what cannabis can do for us. So well, I've I've noticed, Michael, you've also been documenting the war, and the war right at the front lines is you were at, at Lance's court hearings every single time as he was found guilty in federal courtroom and sentenced to 10 years in prison. Um, you're also right. um, documenting that as well. Yeah, I've been to several of them. Um, Kettle Fall 5. Um, I was there, too. Yeah, so that, and I went to... Uh, Josh and Melissa um, court case as well, and John Worthington, and uh, yeah, again, you know, trying to see what the heck's going on and why. Um, like Lance's case, it was quite amazing to watch the whole process of what our federal court was doing and why. And um, yeah, I'm still, you know, it comes back to the whole thing of all the studying that I did for myself initially, and then. You know, as we went further into this project, is knowing that cannabis was something that was part of our history going back as far as I can find in all the documentation that exists, and then that somebody would end up having to go to jail over something that should be part of our lives still. It doesn't make any sense to me. Right. I know it. I know it. Um, so what what's your hopes for in the future? What what type of plans does Project PC have for um, the next few months as opposed to, like, the next year, next couple years? Yeah, well, we're, uh, we've are we been working super hard, like I said, uh, you, you, know, cra- uh, you know, creating these uh, 
documentations and things to help uh, that in video and in, in print. So we've been uh, trying to find more help, uh, you know, folks that volunteer uh, funds to help pay for some of the stuff. But once we can get some of this stuff out, we hope that what we've created will start to help other folks see it more clearly. And that was kind of the hardest thing is that when I looked at this, <laughs> you know, folks around me thought, oh, my God, no, you know, pot, it's a bunch of stoners or something like that, and no way would you use it for your health. Uh, you know, learning all that I've learned now, we knew it was it was a mission to be able to get that information out in a way that the folks out there that don't understand will start to see it and go, oh, you know. And it wasn't just right. us. So even though I've learned all this, telling somebody in my family, for instance, they're like, well, you're not a doctor. You don't understand. So <laughs> having, you know, <laughs> these MDs and PhDs and so forth, uh put it into terms that they could understand and hopefully accept then and go, oh, okay, I get it now. This is something that we really shouldn't be, you know, arresting people over. We should be, uh, you know, changing the situation and do that immediately. So we hope that that's the things that we've been working on will help in that process, that we can keep this out, out you know, keep pushing out the videos and creating the written documentation to share with folks so they'll, they'll get the point. You know. Um, Michael, I've speaking of videos, um, I saw a video that you put out last night, or maybe it was eighteen hours ago, um, and it was really interesting because I did not know that you were running for a libertarian candidate in the tenth district. Um and yeah. it was a really cool video. Yeah, and you had your dog in it and I was just I just thought it was so cool. But will you um tell us just a little bit about your campaign and why you're why you're running and what type of change you want through through your um running for this yeah sure yeah no and that's you know it's funny because the when i started the whole process um again you went back to a cancer scare and um a whole bunch of health issues and the cannabis was what i found that helped heal me and when I started to get better, I asked the cannabis community people around me at that point when I realized, you know, <laughs> the truth about how hemp and cannabis could help us and were part of our lives. And, you know, they say, be careful what you ask for. <laughs> they said, well, maybe you should run for office. Uh, so that was a hard decision, and I did that actually back in 2014. I ran... And the same thing, I'm running in the 10th District of Northern Washington um, uh, as a state legislative representative. I did that in 2014. I received nor nearly 14% of the vote uh, in the general election uh, in 2014. In the primary of this election, I received nearly 27% of the uh, vote. And um, and it's uh, I'm getting so much support where I hadn't been before, which made sense because, of course, I wasn't new to it, never had been involved in politics, wasn't involved in any of the stuff like this around me, you know, anything to do with politics whatsoever. Uh, but, yeah, I knew I had to do something. And when I looked at all of the different things that were going on in our world and our society, um, you know, again, I, I kind of thought, those that were in office were doing things that were helping us, that were bettering our community. And obviously the disconnect that we have, the fact that people are in jail over a plant that can heal us, 
doesn't make any sense. So I got involved and have been deeply involved now uh, with uh, lobbying. You know, the legislator. I've met our representatives. I go to speak all the time now. And uh, yeah, I'm running as a libertarian because I believe the system's messed up. You know, the two party slash one party system is we're not getting anywhere. You know, the folks are receiving right. corporate funding, et cetera. Yeah, it, back to the positive change, right? How is this right when we talk to the, these people? They're like, well, we can't do this today because, you know, that party, you know, this the R or the D is causing us problems and we can't get this resolved. Um, right. like, really? That, that doesn't Michael, make um, yeah. It doesn't. It doesn't. It doesn't. And I, it's nice to see. I've, I've been checking out the Libertarian Party, and as far as cannabis is concerned, um, and getting it legal, they they seem to not have the the um, attachment to keeping it illegal as a Schedule One drug as the uh, Democrats and the Republicans do. Um, I just really feel like the for as far as legalization, not legalization, but um, you know, any prohibition, I really feel like the Libertarian uh, Party is the way is the way to vote. Um, but I have a question. Um, I saw you at Hemp Fest this year, and I saw you with your camera, and I um, went up to your booth, and you guys weren't there. You and Megan weren't there, but you had another volunteer there, and we left some letters for Lance, and you guys got some of them signed, and I wanted to thank your group for helping out Lance in that way. We're going to get them mailed off. And we got so many letters signed at the fest for, for our prisoners. It was amazing because some of them are serving life, and um, we were asking the president to grant some of them clemency. And that's kind of what our mission was at the fest this year is to bring um, is to bring attention to our prisoners and our defendants. Um, but what were you guys up to um, besides trying to help out Lance at your table? What was your focus on Hemp Fest, and um, what 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 are, what are you what were you guys doing as a group at Hemp well, Fest this year? Well, uh, same again. Trying we we we've been to many events, uh, so Hemp Fest is one of those. Um, and so we'll keep doing that. We're at 420 Games. We'll be in Montana Hemp Fest. Um, the whole thing, again, we've started to create our booth, uh, create the material. We're showing patient stories, um, you know, all kinds of different things, but letting folks know that Project PC exists, that we're out there trying to help. Um, obviously, one of them, like you spoke with Megan, she's one of the people that became part of our group because of what's going on with her daughter and uh, how cannabis helps help save her life at this point and improve the quality of her life. So, yeah, we'll, we'll keep doing that. We were out there. Megan spoke several times, was on um, the hemposium panels as well, so I was documenting what's going on with her life and other folks. Um, meeting. It was a pretty amazing <laughs> event. Uh, some of the folks had researched and doctors and such that I had found when I first went on the path of this, and they were there, so we were able to sit down and speak with them and communicate about what's going on and where they're what they're doing in the world right now. So yeah, um, uh, Michael, I want to I want to I want to just bring this in, into the conversation real quick and just let you know that we actually have a doctor on the line listening. His name is Dr. David Allen, and I don't know if you've ever had a chance to meet with him, but he is a huge example of sacrifices because down in California a few years ago he was raided they took his they took his license away they're trying to take his license away he's actually a heart surgeon and he went to trial and won which is amazing because it, you know as we saw in Lance's case it rare, rarely happens um, we rarely rare we rarely win in a federal courtroom 
and Dr. Allen did, and now the government is trying to take his license away, and he's just an amazing man that I would like maybe to hook you up with so that you can you can talk to Dr. David Allen in, in your um, in your education because yep. he's a really big part of our movement. So he's listening. So, um, Dr. Allen, I, I'm going to send you guys a message here soon to, so you guys can get to know each other a little bit. Um, but... Um, yeah, so I have another question. How how if somebody wants to be a part of your group or donate to your group or what can people do from the outside to be a part of Project Peace, uh, Project Positive Change? Yeah, uh, well they can uh, get to us of course through uh, projectpc.org um, is our website and we also have Project PC uh, on Facebook. So if you do search for that, it should come up fairly easy. And uh, there's links there to um, our donation page if folks want to help us out with some monetary uh, support because we should definitely, everything's been volunteer, so we could use all the help we can get in that. And then as far as volunteering itself, uh, we need help in all areas, and we're trying to move from place to place, meaning uh, different states. So we're actually hoping to set up a Project PC center in all of the states at some point and uh, folks can volunteer so we need every aspect of that meaning working our Facebook page helping edit a website uh, making phone calls coming to our events uh, we you know the whole thing of being the booth and such now it takes a great deal of people and I think so much all of the folks that came out like don't know how many people volunteered, but I think we probably had at least 12 or 14 people during the Hempfest weekend that came out and, uh, you know, spread the word, talk to people that are walking around and stuff, let them know what's going on, and and that cannabis is not legal yet, so we've got a long ways to go. We need help in all the different aspects that are going on. So, yeah, let us know. Get a hold of us. Um, you can also... Send us a message at info at projectpc.org um, and phone number 360-631-3458 if they want to actually give a call. Okay, okay. Um, so I just want to let you know, Michael, that at any point between about 925 and 930, we're going to have one of our lifers. Um, his name is Craig Cecil. He is on his 15th year of his life sentence. And he calls right in from prison, risks going on lockdown at about that time every morning. So um, I just want to let you know that if we're still, if we're still talking, we might just, yep. li- li- just be blatantly interrupted all of a sudden, and the interview will just be a sudden end. So I just want to okay. let you know that that's coming, coming okay. soon so you're not feel like, hey, she just cut me off. But um, that's how we have to do it with Craig because it's a prison call. Sure. Um, but I want, I want to ask you – oh, go ahead, go ahead. No, I just I understand. That's cool. <laughs> no worries. <laughs> um, I just want to ask you though: Is there any news out there? What you know? Is there anything through your through your documentations and through your group? Is there anything out there that you want to advocate for? A special story, a news, anything that you want our listeners to know um, that you're trying to get to get out there? Well, um, huh. there are many things. <laughs> There's so many stuff that's pressing. Um, you know, we're working on again. Yes, it is. Um, yeah, I got it. I'm not, there's so much, but obviously, you know, one of them was Megan's story and Maddie, um, you know, this is crazy that we can't share in Washington state, uh, again, silly laws. 
but in any case, we're working really hard on trading an advocacy book right now that uh, we're hoping to raise funds for for that so that we can get that out into the hospitals and such. So when folks like what happened to Megan, um, that they'll understand that they have different options and paths that they can go through instead of what happens. I mean, it's kind of crazy. When you look at the whole uh, circle of these things, you know, folks that are facing law enforcement and uh, going through the court system, you know, you're kind of left going through whatever the system is, and most people don't really have an understanding of that. The same thing that happens in the medical system. When you're really ill and you're told, well, this is what you have to do, A, B, or C, and that may not actually be the best path for you. <laughs> in right. many cases, in my opinion, in my observation, in my personal life, it, it isn't. Um, so I think that's part of it, the advocacy we need to be doing and part of what ended up evolving in our, our organization, also the Project PC, is that, trying to help give folks the tools to understand. If you have a problem with the you know, law enforcement court system, you need to get educated and not just listen to what the lawyer or the court tells you. The same thing with medicine. You need to look outside of the medical system and find out, is there a different option here for me? Is there a different way that I can go down this path? Um, you know, I, the, the medical system failed me when I became sick. I had been to all of the different major medical systems where I live in Washington State, and it wasn't them that helped me in the end of it. It was alternative medicine. So, all right. All right. Um, well, I just want to, you know, just take time out, um, Scott, just or Michael. I'm sorry. I could you last two. You have two first first name for a last name, a last name for a first name. <laughs> Or vice versa. Um, but I just want to take this time out um, before Craig calls in just to thank you. Over the last couple of weeks, we've had some amazing guests. We had you on. We had Megan Holt on, who you've, or we've, who you've talked about a few times. And we've also had, um, before that, we had parents for pot out. And they're doing a, a drive for our children in order to buy our plant prisoners and some of our people who've been through the cannabis war, um, their children, um, uh, school supplies for school and it, that was amazing and I just want to say there's a lot of amazing groups out there and I think yours is one of our top our top couple out there that, that's really doing something so I just want to tell you keep it up and our group we're the voices of the cannabis war and we you know we want to be a part of your guys's education we want to bring the level of the prisoners to what you guys are doing too I think that's um, I think we can work together that way a lot and again I want to introduce you to um, to Dr. Allen later and thank you for coming on Mindy um, Mindy's Mindy's back she's the host another host but she's been doing um, a screening this morning but Mindy is there <clears throat> is there anything you'd like to uh, mention or ask Michael Scott um well Mike's biggest question was and I hope you didn't answer this while I've been off and on but what are what demographic of people is the hardest for you to get your information to? Uh, you know, it's kind of across the board. Um, folks are kind of disconnected in the world, you know. I mean, the more I look at this, and part of it I learned because of going through the politics stuff too, is that, you know, things are really tough and people are 
you know, struggling to survive each day. And then you add into it all of these things like, you know, law, uh, court oh stuff. Oh, my God. Right, and it just flips them upside down. So this has been a tough one for us, trying to figure out how do we reach everybody. So, you know, like you were, um, guys are talking about collaborating, that's kind of the thrust of Project PC is that we hope that we can keep connecting with different groups and then we can reach folks on all the spectrums in every possible way. So the videos, we were learning about how to do that in Facebook and you know, not just a website, alternative media where we didn't have that before. But then that's where we also realized that the printed material was really important because not everybody has the same. They don't watch satellite or cable TV. And if we put those in places where they are, again, not something that they will buy, something that we create and donate and put them in hospitals and healthcare centers and prisons, prison systems, wherever that is, uh, if they'll allow, and uh, the VA, because we work with the veterans as well for suicide prevention. In fact, I got a call this morning for some folks that needed help again. We need to keep creating this network so that we can keep reaching out to folks in every possible way. So it doesn't matter what they're, uh, if you have money or have a bunch of money. I mean, the people that, especially part of that, folks that have bucks, they don't know this. They believe, again, in the system. They believe in their doctor. They believe in their lawyer. <laughs> it's not right, really true. Right. <laughs> um, our, I think our biggest thing is telling people, hey, there's still over 50 people serving life in, life in prison, and people are like, what? That gets people's attention. They're like, oh, well, tell me more. And after that, it's easy for us. Um, we've never had anybody, you know, it, it's hard getting the attention, but once people get, once you get somebody's attention, it's, it's amazing what what they what they are like stunned off of what's going on. Well, so the same then, right? We have to do like the booths, you know, things like that at different events. Oh, are you guys are you guys going to be at Hempstock this year? Because our group will be, and we're going to have a big, big, big booth with signs up for our prisoners. I mean, we're we're going all out with the letters, and it's it's going to be awesome. What what about you guys? Um, which which date is that one? <laughs> September, so tw- September 25th and 26th. Yeah, it's oh, in Portland, Oregon. It's down in Portland. Mindy's, Mindy's from Portland. It's in Portland, Oregon. Yeah, um, and I'll tell I you. would love to. I hope that we can. Um, and again, we have so many. In fact, we'll be in California, Idaho, Montana. Um, it's just getting enough people. So that's, again, if we've got more folks that would help the volunteer. Um, but we'd love to be at every single event, and hopefully we can be at that one. I know that we have uh, an ongoing event that I believe is the 24th, which is uh, the Oyster Run. So it'll be the third year that we've had a libertarian booth, but we'll also, of course, have material for Project PC. So. I'm personally going to be because of my campaigning, of course, and that is in my area, my district that I'm running in. <laughs> so, um, yeah, I'll be there for the oyster run and that one. Yeah. Uh, but, yeah, again, oh, anybody yeah. that wants to help okay. out with the things that we're guys, doing, um, please Craig, let us know. Craig, you guys, Craig is calling, so Mindy and um, okay. you guys talk for a second while I answer Craig's call. I'll be right back. Okay. So, Michael, uh, in the spirit of talking uh, about 
you know, going outside of the box. I've been uh, living out in one of those areas where there isn't much internet and things like that. And something I enjoy doing is putting the jury notification flyers and things like that in rest areas and the porta potties and those kinds of places where, you know, all kinds of different people pass through um, those areas. And that's when my little outside the box got. Happy Sunday to you, too. How are you today? I'm well. I'm well. It's it's beautiful weather-wise here in Indiana. I hope it is up there. It is. It is. We were, I'll just tell you a little bit of the layout of the show. Um, we talked to a man by the name of Michael Scott, who runs a group called Project Positive Change. Who, they're trying to get uh, education out there through videos and flyers and basically positive change is awesome. So we were just talking to him when you called in, and the subject of the show today is kind of open mic, so you can talk about whatever you want, but I specifically want to talk to you about our outreach at the Hemp Fest regarding you, and find out, you know, how you're doing this week and everything else. And we got Mindy on, we got Mindy on, and morning, Craig. Hello, Mindy. Well, I how you doing? I'm doing well, I'm doing well. I got some news that's pretty pretty exciting this week, but I think it's bad. <laughs> yeah. Well, recently the uh the the people uh from the Clemency Project and other groups have been pushing my judge and prosecutor you know to write letters in favor of granting clemency for me in that. Well, this last week my judge and mind you my judge has been a judge since President Kennedy appointed him, so he's oh, a really old dude. <laughs> my, really my, my, dad, my dad's judge was 87 years old. <laughs> he's probably at least that. <laughs> yeah. But uh, Judge William C. O'Kelly went into court last, I guess last Tuesday, and uh, wrote a new order for my sentencing. He reduced my sentence from life to 30 years imprisonment. Oh. So, so this is kind of odd He did this in light of a law that went through in 2014 That slightly changed the sentencing guidelines Unfortunately um, The 11th Circuit where my case is based uh, Down there in Georgia The 11th Circuit com- uh, comprises uh, Florida, Alabama, and Georgia They haven't adopted much of the reduction stuff That was actually part of that 2014 law so I haven't asked for a reduction in my sentence because I'm kind of waiting for that circuit down there that kind of kind of lags behind the times down there uh, to catch up with those laws that I might I might be able to enjoy a better sentence reduction. But instead, okay. judge, honest. So that if you had 30 years and you got a third off for good time, then that would be 20 years and you served 15. So instead of a life sentence, you would only have five years left. No, no. Uh, remember, we don't get uh, that much good time. That's we only okay. get, no, we only get 54 days a year. So on a 30-year sentence, I'll get about four years of good time, if I get all my good time. And uh, But the odd part is, is by him making that order and doing it now rather than when I wanted to make it, when the law might be more favorable, um, he's kind of knocked me out of a bunch of things. He's knocked me out of being able to ask for a 20-year sentence when the law does revert to that, and I, I believe it will. I've been waiting for, for that. 
And secondly, um, there's a lot of people that seem to think that the president uh, has been hinting and may uh, do a, a mass clemency thing regarding a whole lot of drug lifers, you know, before he leaves office. And that would have, you know, functionally take me out of that and out of some of the clemency projects. Yes. Oh, you know what, Craig? We got so many letters signed for you this weekend at the Seattle Hemp Fest to send to the president to ask him to grant you clemency. Well, thank you. Thank you. Because so, I'm hoping that that this, I mean, the, the president and I, I'm, can still grant me clemency. It's just that it may change some of the procedures there and change a, a few things. So I'm having to scramble this week so that the uh, pardon attorney's office will understand this and won't disqualify me because you are disqualified if during the, the time that you're uh, requesting clemency that things happen in your in your sentencing court. But since Craig, I never asked for this to happen... <laughs> Do you Pardon? think the judge did this on purpose, knowing that in the long run it could cause more harm than good? I suspect, because really the 30-year sentence he just gave me still puts my uh, my out date from prison beyond my life expectancy. So, <laughs> so that's the thing, though. Like, you go from life to 30 years. I'm, I'm not going to sit here... And not what the judge did. I mean, maybe the judge meant well or maybe not. Maybe he did it on purpose. Who knows? I'm not too favorable towards federal judges at all. But, you know, um, the thing is, like, you go from life to 30 years. Like, 30 years, he doesn't think that the fact that you've not been caught with any cannabis or anything like that, that, that 15 years is long enough already? That I mean, couldn't he knock it down to 10 years and then you would have got plus credit for time served? You could have, you know... Um, like that that to know, me thirty years is not acceptable. I mean, I don't know. I, I it, it it is. It's way too long for, for any marijuana crime, let alone any drug crime, you know. And you know, what made him do that? And All why the, did he do it? I mean, he violated the law that requires before he he can make a motion like that and before he can decide a motion like that. The law requires that I'm allowed to at least weigh in on it, you know, and maybe state facts in my favor like I would like a uh, a 10-year sentence so I could go home. Right, right. They did it totally. This call is from a federal prison. They did it, you know, like out of sight, out of mind, and I still haven't even received a copy of the order from the court. They're required to serve all the documents upon me, and they never did. I found out indirectly through my case manager here in the BOP. <laughs> oh, my gosh. So what the heck is going on? Man, this is like conspiracy to me. I mean, I don't know, I don't know Craig. We've done a lot, a lot of advocating for you. A lot of the other groups have just been advocating for you like crazy, too. And it's like, oh, well, Craig, we're going to lower your sentence but for 30 years and not not one year or zero time. I mean, I, I just think it should be over with for you. I think a lot of people agree, and that's why I say that this action by the court was, from a legal standpoint, it's really, really unusual that a judge, you know, completely cuts the people out of the case, and he makes the motion himself, he presents the evidence himself, and decides it. I mean, that makes him more like a dictator. (laughs) Right. 
Right. Okay, well, let's talk about this, too. Okay, you said the comment that even still, your sentences can be longer than your life expectancy. Now, I want our listeners to realize what that means. That means Craig uh, is still probably is still serving a life sentence, even though the judge made it from life to 30 years, and he's still serving a de facto life sentence. That means that his sentence is longer than, it, than he's expected to live, like you're still in there for life. That's correct. That's correct. Oh, my gosh. Oh, my goodness. This is something really, really gets me. It's the fact that there's really the avenues that they have all lead to dead ends for us, but they're, they're, they're open to everything. And I, I'm wondering what, what really was the, you know, what inspired the judge to suddenly, you know, after he sentenced me 15 years ago, to suddenly jump back in the court now when he's probably in his mid-90s to pull my case file out of the thousands that are there. <laughs> right, right, right. I know. Because here's the thing. If we knew that the judge was making, all of a sudden reviewing your case and making decisions like that, we could have been getting letters to send to that judge. Oh, absolutely. Well, and like I, the, the law requires that I'm permitted an opportunity to weigh in on you know, motions that are in my case before him, and he never allowed me to do that. He still hasn't even told me that that motion has been made. Wow. You know, some of the thoughts that come to my head is, you know, did the prosecutor's office talk him into doing that, you know, to to try to to keep me in prison and keep them from looking as evil as they do? I know that they've been getting some uh, coverage from a reporter down in Atlanta recently that has mentioned my name a few times in the uh, Atlanta Journal-Constitution newspaper, and maybe they were feeling some pressure, and this is their answer to say, oh, we did something. (laughs) I mean, I I have no idea, but the whole thing actually violates the law, and it's really kind of meaningless. You know, it's still a de facto life sentence. Well, they're real sneaky like that, Craig. They're real sneaky like that, I think. You know, I uh, I, I really feel like, yeah, I was a little deceptive. Right now, the federal judge is going to jump up one day and just try to help help this life. Now, I'm just, I can't, I can't, you, you kind of broke up on me. Oh, but yeah, you're really, I am really surprised that the judge, you know, just suddenly did this, and I, I can't think of any legitimate reason to ascribe to you know why he would violate all these policies and all these you know just legal proceedings that he certainly knows to do this. I mean, it's just there, there's something behind it that I, I don't understand. Yeah, we we need to figure that one out. I think it's just all conspiracy. It's just conspiracy. Um, so. How have you been taking that news this week, and what, what's been going on with prison? Are they feeding you okay? Well, the good thing is, is we only ate bologna twice this week. God, <laughs> wow. There, has, there hasn't been any real bad things to occur here. It's just been kind of hot. and This is an old prison with no ventilation and no air conditioning, so hot weather makes things really sticky and uncomfortable around here, and stinky, I guess. <laughs> wow But uh, but the, those actions by the judge Just I mean they they just really took me by surprise I, I, I'm still Befuddled by it 
Hey, Mindy, what do you think about what the judge did to Craig? I think it was on purpose. And I, I don't even know what else to say. I'm just, I'm very disappointed in that. It, it was a pointless move on the judge's part. Like well, I said, especially. We've got these letters signed at the Seattle Hit Fest, and I know Victor was in there. I didn't even see Victor this year, but I know he's doing outreach for you at the fest as well. We've got lots of letters coming for you. Um, I hope they help. Still, I mean, we got, we're going to be representing at the Portland Hip Stock and getting letters signed for you there as well. But, um, you know, I, I hope they're able to help now that they reduced your sentence to 30 years from life. I mean, oh, my gosh, I'm sorry, Craig. I'm sorry that it, it's not one avenue that thinks is going to free you, and then that avenue is taken, and now we have to find new ways to get you free. Well, like I say, I'm still going to try to salvage everything that's going on at the pardon attorney's office, and uh, and those letters will help because those letters do, you know, help, my, you know, set my petition apart from so many others that are, you know, just basically a small folder of papers that, you know, somebody set in, whereas mine, you know, think of how all those letters are going to set my file apart, you know, in the in their office in Washington. <laughs> right, right. Called from a federal prison. So the fact that the judge made that action, you know, I, I'm just going to have to try to spin somehow into, you know, more of a reason to grant me clemency rather than less because there's, there's obviously something wrong. <laughs> right. So I've got some tricky writing ahead of me also. <laughs> yeah. But thank you, for, thank you for. You know, for getting all those people involved at Hempfest and, you know, and and bringing our plate in front of those people that, you know, there is people serving, well, either life or, you know, might as well be life sentences, you know, in federal prison, you know, for simply for conspiring to possess marijuana. With um, no, no guns, nobody hurt, you know, nothing. It, yeah. Well, we heard the beep, and that means you just have a few seconds left. I just want to tell you, um, uh, we're going to be never fight, stop fighting for you, Trey. And, um, in fact, uh, this year, the help desk, uh, Bloodhound Toronto and Jeff Nassie was there, and they they just got out of their life sentences. And I got a chance to meet them. And George is on the line, and he's coming on next. And um, we're thinking about you. Well, the one thing I'm going to spin is I'm going to, let the pardon attorney's office know that my judge must be in favor of them granting clemency because he reduced my sentence. So that must be saying he wants my sentence reduced. So, and I'm going to run with <laughs> Okay, okay. We'll do that. We'll walk with that. <laughs> well, thank you, Mindy. Thank you, Kristen. Have and a great week, Thank you from Indiana here. Huh. All right, you guys. That was Craig Cecil working on his 15th year of his now, okay, it was a life sentence. As you heard, the judge just reduced his sentence to 30 years, which still puts him in prison longer than his lifespan. So, you know, he's now serving, instead of an official life sentence, he's now serving a de facto life sentence. Odd, odd, odd. I don't know what's going on with those federal judges. I'm telling you, and I mentioned to Craig, that my dad's judge was 87 years old. He was appointed by Reagan, 
And what's interesting about federal judges is that they never retire. Once you're appointed as a federal judge, you're a federal judge for life. You don't, you know, you, there's no terms. You can't, you don't have to end it. So, you know, a lot of these guys were around when cannabis was, um, was turned into a Schedule One drug. And so they hold those Schedule One drug laws for as long as they live. They, like, hold on to them and, you know, go from a life sentence to a 30-year sentence. What the heck? Anyway. Um, so next we have George Monterano, who got out of his 33 – out after prison after 33 years. He was sentenced to life in prison and was just recently freed and has been out for about nine months. And he was at the Hemp Fest this year because while he was in prison, um, there's, you know, as part of the group, the Human Solution International, as the vice president, and they adopted George through the, through the Adopt-A-Prisoner project that we had going on. And they advocated for him, and they got so many letters. And not just them, but Human Solution did, POW420. Like, there's a lot of groups out there that advocated for George. And George is now a free man. Um, and he is here on the line for his weekly segment of Georgie's Corner. And we're going to talk to him about Hemp Fest and about what's going on in this in his world and how freedom feels for George Monterano. Good morning, George. You're live with Kristen and Mindy, and I love hey, you. And I'm so excited, so excited to how meet you. How you doing? How, how's my good day morning, going? George? Well, let me tell you something. Uh, must be fate because uh, I was just a drift. I was just a drift in a speedboat, uh, basically about uh, coming into uh, coming into the bay from the ocean in uh, Longport, uh, New Jersey. I was adrift, and uh, I was just happy to uh, didn't have my phone, and uh, just happy to be drift away until either the parish or be towed in. Well, lucky enough, I got towed in. I was towed in. I just jumped off the boat about ten minutes ago. It's actually tied up, and uh, I haven't had a chance to uh, wash it down. I was actually adrift. <laughs> wow. Geez, oh, what do you what you're saying? Yeah, anyway, uh, I don't know. Maybe <laughs> the guy put the wrong gas in. Because the motor was, it was, it was, a, it, was a, it was a friend of mine's boat that was custom made. Very, very expensive. Wow. It was like them boats they use in the James Bond movies, all made of wood. You see them basically European style boats, speed boats. Very, very oh. picturesque. But anyway, uh, uh, let's talk about the Hempfest. I was at the Hempfest, and I was fortunate enough to meet uh, a lot of people firsthand. Christian, I wish I could have met Mindy. Uh, but anyway, you know, we uh, we gathered to meet, we gathered to inhale, and we gathered to wail, and we came together to deliver our messages. And... Uh, with so many messages deliver, I spoke many, many times and uh, really enjoyed it. And uh, you know, it wasn't all, all wasn't all fun and games. Uh, uh, a lot of us really dedicated ourselves and worked hard to, especially the VIP uh, party on Saturday night. I spoke here to deliver our messages for you know for uh, guys like Greg who who just got a break, but not a real break. And incidentally, uh, he's pretty he's pretty versed in what he has to do. But I'd be uh, it'd be nice if you guys relay. Basically, he has to restructure now his petition to the pardon attorney. 
he has to restructure that because any little technical thing that they come across, they feel deny him right away. We'll forward it. He's not a petitioner. Wow. He didn't petition in life sentence. Now he's petitioning 30 years. Wow. So he would have to, he actually basically has to file that again or he has to have someone speak to the party attorney's office. As soon as they see something out of place, bang, they shoot it back, they deny it, and he has a short window right now. He has a short window. So he, he has to address it's that. It's so horrible what they did, the, the way that they've yes, made but his petition, all over. Yeah, yeah, like I told you uh, two weeks ago, uh, they're always going to do things, but you know, they're always, there is a way to circumvent uh, uh, with intelligence. So now he has to basically re, refile that. Or he has to uh, he has to mend it. And now he has to he actually has to call the pardon attorney and see if they'll take an amendment. So it has to have that stuff has to be done properly before they forward it to the White House. Because then it gets in another another clerk's hands and it's screened again before it's actually put on the president's desk. But anyway, uh, you know, let them know that. Yeah, this is open mic, and let's get back to the Ham Festival. It's amazing, ladies and gentlemen. It's an amazing uh, organization, amazing event. It was 25 years. Uh, this was the 25th year, and it's so down pat, so organized. It really, uh, it really put me in awe how uh, how these people, you know, from the people that actually director from the shops to the average worker, uh, you know, the security and the people that. Uh, that uh, coordinated and 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 the curators it just was amazing. So impressed. And the city itself, Seattle. I really enjoyed the city. I was able to uh, uh, learn as much as I can about it. And uh, I will be back out there, uh, Christian. I will be back out there. There's things I, I know, want to I can't wait, to. George. Yeah, you I will be see, back um, out there. And you got to see yeah, Peter Sound. Peter, I met so many people out there. It's hard. I took as many cards and names as that. I came back with at least a half-inch stack of cards and information about individuals. So it just was overwhelming. It was a short stay. It's not a great town for a runner. (laughs) I was uh, walking all over the Hempfest. Incidentally, ladies and gentlemen, there's a mile and a half of vendors. mile and a half, eight stages. And then uh, I was trying to jog around the town to get the logistics and know it. And there's a lot of hills, a lot of steep hills <laughs> for a runner. Boy, oh, boy, totally enjoyed it. And uh, looking forward to uh, come back and maybe, you know, get involved in something uh, to coincide with the city itself. So I'll be definitely be back out there. And then, again, it's all, it's all, it's all, it's basically, it's raindrops. From all good people, and it's forming a great, uh, a great pond in my life that uh, I can enjoy this pond. And it all starts from the cell, uh, reaching out, uh, which I did many, many years ago. And I learned, I learned so much, which called community connections, that I actually created a class to pass that on because a lot of individuals had to be taught how to reach out. So the reaching out could come back and assist them like this radio show this radio show 
is assisting people uh, that are languishing in there for cannabis. And like I spoke to the crowds, I spoke to the many crowds and told them about, you know, how the Hempfest people had sent money to my account. And I utilized that money uh, to buy hard copy materials for curriculum for the classes, for the lifestyle change classes of the violent repeat offenders. And here's us cannabis people with uh, Dragonian sentences. You know, we're, we're the teachers, like Gene, for Gene. We were the teachers to make these changes of these violent offenders. And I, all, I also told the crowd out there more than once that I, when, uh, when I used to go to different institutions, immediately I would be asked to uh, start up my programs, immediately, within, within a week. And then after that, I would try to, I would put the word out, who was doing time for cannabis? Who was doing time uh, for weed? Because I, I would find these individuals. I would know before I met them, before I, I didn't even know them, before I would even shake their hand, that these were good people that I could count on count on uh, to help me, uh, uh, you know, run these classes. You know, within six months' time at any new institution, I would have anywhere between six and seven classes. And these classes always needed assist. You know, you need to substitute teachers and such, et cetera, like that. So, uh, you know, it's just a shame. It's just a shame that, uh, you know, we have to keep fighting, but and what, uh, what I learned out there at the Hempfest Festival, there's an awful large number of people that are there to assist, assist and I'm trying to figure it out how to, how to do it, how to carry on with uh, what I'm doing to join, join all these good people and what they could bring to the table. Christian. Um, George, I, we went to the movies together, too. Did you, did you like the movie that we saw, the, doc, the Lifeline oh, movie? Oh, yeah, yeah. I love Jeff. <laughs> I love Jeff. Uh, uh, he's just amazing. We've seen the movie at the, at the Seattle Film Institute. Uh, great building, great bunch of people. It was a great movie, and, uh, you know, it really, really, it really affected, uh, affected me because I believe it affects me more so than the person sitting next to me because I was dying in jail. I was supposed to languish there and come out in a body bag. So when these guys uh, were there being interviewed, uh, Jeff Lewinsky was interviewed, you know, this is what I I understand more than anybody. And then each week I always come in behind uh, uh, Greg. Uh, I know what institution, I've been at that institution. And he's right when he says it's an old, broken-down place. And you can hear in the backdrop, you know, the noise of the cell block. That really, uh, you know, after I hear that, like after I do the show, I have to go clear my head. I have to clear my head continuously to forget those years. And it'll be, it'll be to the day I actually pass away free. It's always uh, trying to do something positive, exercise to forget. Forget that cell door slamming all those years. Cell door slamming. And then you got these individuals that work in these places, some good, some not so good, some in a learning process. And it's the little things they do that really get your goat, and you have to be patient. Like you had some guards, you know, yeah. got the steel door easily, turned the lock easily. Then you have some would slam it and jam the key in. And, you know, when they slam it and they turn that key, you know, very heavy ring of keys. You know, you feel like a you feel like an animal. 
We feel like yeah. an animal. So, no, um, George, I was, I was watching the movie. I was, you know, my mom, she, she went to prison. She didn't go for like you did for 33 years, but she went for two years. And she, um, this was the first year that she has not been on probation since she's got out. And it was actually written in her sentence that she cannot go to any hemp fest or be part of any, any type of event that had to do with marijuana. And so this was the first year that she got to go to the Seattle hemp fest and she watched the movie and, you know, my, my father, he died in prison. And so she's very emotional about the war. And I looked over a couple of times while we were watching the movie and she was bawling her eyes out. Like it really affected her a lot. She really loved it too. Like it was, it was cool. It was cool. What I noticed is there was, a few different, yeah, there was you in the audience, there was Jeff Mazansky who was watching the movie, and then there was my mom who was watching the movie as well, all people who just got out of federal prison, and, or not, well, Jeff got out of a state prison, but the movie was focused on Jeff's life, kind of, because he had been able to get his cameras behind the scenes of a state prison, and I asked you, George, I told you that Jeff is trying to get his cameras into a federal prison, and you you don't think he's going to make it, and I don't think so either, but... Very, uh, very, 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 very difficult. I hope the times are changing. Uh, in the last 10 years, there wasn't, there wasn't 60 days went by without anybody, some kind of, uh, some kind of media uh, that uh, wanted to interview me. And it got so much that the, when, when you here's the policy is when any time outside media wants to interview you, they must notify you. They must put you in the office. And you have to physically sign a waiver that you would want this before the warden makes his decision. In other words, when you're called back, it's a standard form for a media interview, okay, or any type of interview from the, from the entertainment industry, et cetera. You have to physically sign a waiver now, that you want it. Now, after you sign the waiver, then it goes up to the warden and the warden decides. Well, I had, I had so many of them. They, they never even call me back to sign the waiver anymore. They never call me wow. back because the warden, would, the warden would never allow it. But what did I do? Did I get angry? Did I file? Did I notify attorneys? No, because I didn't want to upset all the positive stuff what I was doing with all those classrooms. Besides, I had people like you guys out there that can you know, do all that stuff for me. After you become so known in a good life, it doesn't have to be in your voice. Other people can deliver it, like the blog radio here. So I got to a point where I had so much uh, good people around me delivering my words. And plus, as a writer, I was getting all the stuff out that I needed. But uh, it's very difficult uh, because, like, again, the people don't understand what's going on in these penitentiaries. Not that Greg right now, he's at an FCI, but he's not out in the best FCI. They're getting violent now. But the penitentiaries... Uh, I would say any penitentiary right now in America, federal penitentiary, is at least you add the lockdowns, it's totally locked down six months out of the year. If you add the, the, right. the, the sporadic, if you add the sporadic lockdowns in one year, if you string them along, they're they're locked down six months out of the year. So that's right. the problem that America is not seeing. So how's the warden? How's the warden? Here's how it works. How's the warden going to let a film crew in, any kind of crew, when he's constantly getting, he's constantly getting rhetoric from the investigative branch of his prison. It's called SIS. 
that there's something going to jump off. There's something happening. So how can he let, per se, you and Mindy come in with a camera crew? So right, it's right. Lots of, you know, there's one word, there's one word that uh, counteracts all from the free world coming in. Any, any, any type of free world organization coming in, whether it's media or entertainment, the one word, security. If the warden feels yeah. it's not secure, you're not coming in. You're not right. coming in. So, unfortunately, the majority of my, my years were that where I bed. And I, I didn't pursue it when the media, I didn't even know media. I, I would get, I would find out a week or two later, maybe a month later, hey, we tried to get in there. And we couldn't get in there. And I, I didn't, I didn't get upset. I just went on and the positive stuff that I was doing, stay the course. And that's what I, I, I uh, repeated so much at the Hempfest Festival to lawyers and organization heads and stuff like that. Stay the course. By staying the course, something will come out of it. Stay the course. Don't go left. Don't go right. Stay the course. Well, George, um, I want to thank you for coming on. Um, we're gonna we're gonna get get um, get on to the next guest in a second. We've got oh. Jeff Mazansky with me, and we're going to. Um, I'm going to tell you that I love you. I can't wait for you to come out here again, and um, yes. hopefully yes. we'll see you very very soon. Um, I don't know if you're when you're coming out, but on September twenty twenty fourth and twenty fifth is the Portland Hemp Stock. So that's kind of like it's the Hempfest in Seattle. Not near as near as big, but it's um, it's cool down there. It's in so. Portland. It's in Portland. It's in yep. Portland. September twenty. Yep, I think it's the twenty okay, fourth and twenty fifth. Rachel's number. The attorney. She tried to reach out for me. Maybe that's why. Rachel. She's uh, she's an attorney um, from Portland. I met her at the Hempfest. I'll give her a call. Okay, then okay. I'll give you I'll give you a call personally, and we'll discuss all that. Okay, cool, George. Okay. Well, Mindy, is there anything okay, you want Mindy, to say to George? Yeah, make it to Portland. That would be really badass. All right, I'll try. <laughs> I'll try. I'll try. I'll talk to probably right. why this Rachel, why this Rachel call. I'll, I'll speak to her. Otherwise, thank okay. God I'm not adrift at the, I'm not adrift at sea about 20 miles from the shoreline because I actually before <laughs> the show. <laughs> well, we're glad you anyway, drifted back uh, into nice the store. Nice you guys. Take care. Keep up the good work. See you. Talk to you later. Thank you, George. Bye-bye. All right. All right, you guys. That was George Monterano, who spent 33 years of a life sentence in prison for cannabis. Uh, next, we're going to hear from Jeff Mazansky, who um, spent 21 years of his life sentence in Missouri in a state prison for cannabis. And guess what, you guys? Jeff Mazansky was at the Seattle Hip Fest, too, and we're going to find out what it felt like after all those years of incarceration to be at such a big cannabis event. But first, I just want to take a couple seconds out to remind everybody that Jury Rights Day is coming up. Um, for those of you who do not know your power of jury nullification, that's your power that if you're ever called to jury duty um, and called to sit on a trial, not just to take the evidence that the prosecutors put in front of you that says that the defendant broke the law, but actually take that law, sit it in front of you, and judge it. And if you think it's a bad law, just throw the evidence away. It's garbage. Vote not guilty. And how do you judge the law? Well, I judge it by whether or not uh, the person hurt anybody. Because I don't feel like anybody should go to jail if they never hurt anybody. 
And um, jury rights day is a day where we educate about jury nullification. That's your power to say not guilty. And all it takes is one juror on a jury to be able to free someone of a life sentence or a 10-year sentence or a five-year sentence. And it just doesn't have to work with, with, um, with cannabis. It, this, this jury nullification, it helped to end slavery and also helped to end alcohol prohibition um, and, it, and uh, mass incarceration right now because if we all took our cases to trial, whether they're cannabis-related or not, um, we would just overpower the system. And if we could rely on jurors to say not guilty, um, we could start breaking down the judicial system right away. So if you guys want to participate in Jury Rights Day, it's a, it's a day that FIJA puts on every year, September 5th. Um, and what you can do is you can go to the FIJA website, and if you want to host an event, you can go to the court system and pass out flyers. You can go to... Um, or, or not to the court system, but outside the courthouse on the sidewalk area because, you know, courtrooms don't like the word jury nullification. It's like a bad word in the courtroom. But you can um, do things on Facebook by sharing sharing information on that day. Um, but go to www.fija.org and find out there's a whole list of things you can do to participate. They'll actually sponsor your event if you want to hold one by sending you jury rights flyers that you can pass out and things like that. So um, next week, uh, Mindy, um, I don't know if I told you, but um, I spoke to Kirsten Tynan, and she is willing to come on our show next week from FIJA. She is the executive director of FIJA and talk to us about Jury Rights Day. So um, everybody, awesome. yes, yes, and if we could spread this knowledge. In fact, I don't think it's just a Jury Rights Day. I think it's a whole Jury Rights Week. In fact, um, for our listeners, Mindy came out to Seattle last year as we were advocating for Josh and Debbie's um, case, and we sat outside the federal courthouse and did jury rights education. But this year, um, the Voices of the Cannabis War is going to issue, put out an uh, image, a very strong image. In fact, um, that's in the making as we speak. So oh, next, Mindy, is there anything you want to say before we bring one of our um, favorite POWs on the line? No, I'm, I'm looking forward to hearing from Jeff. Okay, yay! And here is our hero, Jeff Mazansky. Good morning, Jeff. Well, good morning. How you doing? We're good. We're good. <laughs> Are you recovering That's from great. from all the activities? Oh yes, I really had a good time there, at Seattle Hempfest. <laughs> it was uh, fantastic, and and to see everybody, you know, walking around and and uh, partaking, enjoying themselves. And not being bothered, it was fantastic. It needs to be like that all over the United States, and in fact, maybe around the world. It'd be so fantastic. Aww, you're giving me goosebumps. So, it, it was, and it was great meeting you. It, uh, I really had a good time. Great meeting you too. It was great meeting you too. It was, it was awesome. So, so you, you are just like the biggest hero in the world. After your life sentence, you're out there. Jeff, you are out there speaking on the stages, and you are telling telling people sign these letters for these prisoners, and people were doing it. And you were at a you you had a whole movie based around your incarceration. What? And you saw the movie. We went we went to the movies together, and George was there, and a whole a whole bunch of people were there. Um, what what was that like? 
kind of uh, crazy and, and really never really noticed how nervous I was in front of a camera before. But, of course, that was real early when we started filming stuff. <laughs> but, uh, it, uh, you know, it got a lot of good information out there, and, and that's what it's all about because we're, we're not only speaking for all the people out here. We're speaking for our brothers and sisters that are locked up. And if we don't do it, who's going to? Because they have no voice. It's hard to get anything out of a prison I know. And, 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 and make it out. I mean, George was just talking a little bit that's about what, it. Uh, he, he's been, that's what he's been so good. Radio show. Yeah, I was fortunate when I was in because I was actually calling and doing some radio shows while I was still in prison. Uh, and then oh, I also had media that was coming in and uh, doing stories on me and, and things that, that were going on there in prison. So I'm really fortunate to have the platform I have to speak for others. But it's, it's something that I wish I wouldn't have to do. You know, they already stole one third of my life. Yeah. And yeah. Uh, although it's great getting around, meeting people, get, getting to see some old friends, but it's something I wish I could do with the vacation instead of having to go and work and tell everybody. It'd be so nice to be able to sit down and relax and say, hey, let's all just enjoy ourselves. But we can't because we got too big a job to do, all of us. You do it every week in the station. You get around and do work like for jury nullification. And, and just think, if I had one person on the jury say, not guilty, I would have never had to do 21 years. George would never had to done 33 years. How many more people in prison right now that wouldn't have to be there? And think of the money our people could save from not having to pay taxes for the people that don't belong in prison. Don't get me wrong. Prisons have a reason. We need them. There's some people in there that I don't want out. I wouldn't want them living next door to me <laughs> or anybody else. Right. But that's the type of crime that we, our police department should be fighting. Instead, they're sitting around watching somebody see if they're going to roll up a, a joint somewhere so they, they can go in and, and bust in their house and arrest them and see what see what else they can take in the house, out of the house. That's a bunch of bull. And it's amazing that people are finally opening their eyes and seeing it. It's, um, I hope we get this done in my lifetime. We need to. Oh. Jeff, I know what you're saying about a lot of work because I've been I've been at that hemp fest every year since they killed my dad for five years now. I bust my ass trying to bring attention to the prisoners and not just me, but a whole group of people that come there and it's just it's just work. And I'm telling you, we are going to end the war and one of these hemp fests soon we are going to kick back and we are gonna smoke and we are gonna party and we are not gonna worry about freeing our people because they're gonna be free because all the work we put into this is gonna work. I swear it will because I know you are not wasting your time. I do not waste my time. And all of our volunteers that help the prisoners do not waste their time. And so we are going to end that war. I, I just know we are. <laughs> There's going to be a I'm, day where all of the PWs will be at that hip fest with us. Oh, that would be a day to celebrate. That would <laughs> yeah, be a day to celebrate. Oh, my oh, goodness. That would be fantastic. I I just want to thank you for all that hard work because, you know, it's one thing for people to, to, you know, to volunteer when, you know, because they want to have purpose in life. 
it's a whole nother when the government has already stolen all that time from you and you still freely give up your time once you're out for the sake of others. That is a gift that you, Jeff, and people like George and Eugene and, and so many others, that that's a bigger <laughs> gift than anything I can think of. Well, thank you very much. But it's, it's, it's something that we have to do because we know and we've met our brothers and sisters that are locked up. So we know firsthand of what's going on. And if we don't speak out, who will? So, Jeff, you talk about – oh, go ahead. I'm sorry. Go go ahead. I was was going to say for us, stuff wouldn't – you know, people wouldn't know. Well, you talk about our brothers and sisters. Let's let's talk about our children. Let's talk about your son. Let's talk about Chris Mazansky, who – was at the Hemp Fest as well, and he was speaking as well. In fact, in fact, he was out there helping us get letters signed for for other prisoners. Like he's so he's so amazing. And let's just talk about him because for 21 years he went without his dad. And oh my gosh, I I it just brought tears to my eyes to be able to see you guys united and fighting together and joining together after all these years. Like, this just amazing and beautiful, and I, I don't want to forget about your son. He's a hero, too. I mean, he, he gave his dad up for this movement. Maybe not forced. He didn't want to, but he did. And look who he is now. Like, he's, is, he is he is a, such a cool guy. You guys are so cool together, and I, I love you guys. You guys are just great. I'm serious. I, I don't – you guys are one of our you, – you and your son are both our heroes, and I, and I really look up to you guys. And just to, like – like we've all been fighting for years, and to meet somebody that got out for the cause inspires not just me, but all of the other volunteers that get out and go there and fight for our prisoners. Like you guys coming there meant a lot to to everybody, the whole entire hip fest, especially you know those of us that fight for you guys. That's that's cool. I'm glad. I was well, so happy. It's it's fantastic and. You know, a lot of people don't realize how the families get hurt. Yeah, um, I know. When their mother or father gets locked up, how a person missing in their life can never be replaced. I mean, I've had my children grew up. I've had grandchildren that grew up that I never was part of. And brothers and sisters, I had parents pass away when I was in there, and that's something that I'll never get back. But... I'm trying to help fix it to where nobody else has to do that. And because of people like you, people like all the volunteers at the Hemp Fest, working the way they did, and people signing those letters that we're talking about to help others that are locked up get out, that's the only reason I'm out. And a lot of people are like that Chris actually started that. Uh, he tried years ago, and he couldn't gain no traction, and uh, he didn't give up. He kept going all different places and telling the story and telling it. And finally it fell on the right ears and somebody opened up and, and uh, wrote a story. That story got around and it spread like wildfire. That's how everybody knows. Well, this radio station that we're on, all the other ones that we do, TVs, that's what helps get the story out. These telephones, these smartphones, Facebook, that's how all of our stories get out. Without it, we would all have been lost. I would be dying in prison if it wasn't for that. If it wasn't for all you guys.
kind people out there working and helping us. And there's many more, like George. He got out. It's because people care. And you know what I say? It's about time people open up their eyes and actually become human again and start caring about one another instead of me, 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 like it's been for years and years, unfortunately. Now it's more of how about us? What's going on as a society? We're not doing this right, so let's change it. Because let's face it, in reality, there's no rehabilitation in prison. They've got some Uh programs that they force you to go to, but there's no rehabilitation. Uh, The only thing that happens in prison is they get taught how to be a better criminal. And that's the kind of thing we have to change as a society. So it's much bigger than me and Chris and all, all the families around the world that have parents locked up. It's the society itself, you know, and we can <coughs> change it. So it's yeah, nobody, nobody, nobody's parents have to go to jail for a plant, period. Period. <laughs> Not acceptable. But you um, know what's so sad? You, you, can I say one thing? You know what's so sad is there's so many people that think they're against it because they don't know anything about it. But when somebody in their family gets sick, and they need that medicine to cure themselves, or somebody in their family gets locked up. It don't have to be them. It could be their, one of their family members. It could be a close friend. That's when they start opening their eyes and start opening their ears and start listening. I don't know how we change that, but that's something we need to change. You know, yeah, one of the first ways down. to change it is if you're a closet cannabis user because you're too embarrassed or ashamed for your family to see. One of the first things somebody can do is just admit that cannabis is saving their life. Absolutely right. Absolutely right. And, you know, we got a lot that are smoking in the shadows is what I call or in the closets because they're afraid of the stigma that comes along with it. Well, the stigma has gone. And the only reason it was there for so long is because so many were smoking in the closet and not letting know what's really going on. Let's get the truth out there, the whole truth. They say, what, 67, 68%, if not more, are for legalization. Why don't we get these people motivated so they can get out and actually do something about it, get our congressmen, our representatives, and our senators working down that line and tell them, look, we're registered to vote. And if you don't do what we want as a society, we're going to get your butts out and we're going to put somebody in there who wants to work for us because we pay you. And that's the key right yeah. there. Register to vote. Get under, get behind them and tell them this is what we want and this is what needs to be done. And if you don't, we're right. going to change it. Right. Well, that's I wouldn't mind getting a team of people in Washington together to go and have an effect on our congressman um, so we can actually deschedule the plant. And maybe we can get something like that going on in every state because we need our congressmen to deschedule. And as soon as the federal government deschedules, basically federal law, state, uh, they claim uh, Trump's state law. So I, I believe all of our states will, will already almost there anyway. We'll just, the board just crumble after that, I think. And I just think we need some good teams all over our country to, to talk to our congressmen on an everyday Bases and um, How true. knock down the system, Ab- like you say. <laughs> Absolutely true, and you know, 
all these states that do have it legal one way or another, medically or even recreational now, don't think it's over with. It's fantastic right. what you have. Right. You've won the battle, but the war is still going on. Just say, now the other states have to do this or they have to do that. It's completely wrong. No, we all have to stay involved. We all yep. need to get together yep. and get this done. There is no we won because we haven't won, not until it's completely decriminalized across the United States. And our families are home and out of prison. And our families are not in prison no more. As soon as our, our people are freed, I, that's when I'm going to claim the war to be over. That's right, because we've lost far too many people that have died yep. that are not here now, that are being killed yep. fact, over stupidity. And we Jeff, need to at stop the end it. of the show, I... At the end of the show, I do a special rest in peace to some of our, our heroes who have actually died in, in prison or out there during raids who, who really lost their lives due to this war. So we always try to rec- um, um, remember our fallen heroes at the end of every, every one of our Sunday shows. They're not forgotten oh, on our show. That's yep, great. Yep. That's, that's wonderful. Thank you for doing that. Thank you for having this show and, and being involved, doing the work you're doing, because... If it wasn't for y'all, me, George, and how many more that were locked up and now out would never have the yep. chance to be yep. out here to help. So yep, uh, yep. Well, I just want to take, really, take a second. I'd, I'd really like to encourage the people to get out there and sign all of these letters to get other prisoners out because it works. It really works. Sign letters, write letters to your congressmen, write letters to your governors, Write letters to the president because that's what it takes. They don't know unless we tell them. And, of course, we told them, but they're thinking, well, it's just a small sliver of society. Well, it's not. It's a big part of society, and we need to let them know it's right. a big part of society. Cool, cool. It helps so much. Well, Jeff, um, is there anything else you want to say? We're gonna we're actually gonna be at the Portland Hemp Fest, the Hemp Stock, in the end of September, and we're gonna try to get a whole bunch more letters signed again. Uh, we have a booth there, and so we're gonna put up pictures and everything of our of our prisoners who are still in prison, and we're gonna try to get um, get a lot of attention to them at that fest. Um, we didn't have a booth this year at the Seattle Hemp Fest, but next year, um, as we talk to to Sharon Whitson, um, she has loves a good idea that, that we came up with for a prison outreach next year. So if there is a Hemp Fest next year in Seattle, it will be amazing. Um, and I hope, again, you're going to be out next year. But um, we should probably go well, on yeah. to our next guest. Okay, well, that? we need to change it from if there's a Hemp Fest to there is going to be a Hemp Fest. Uh, people can donate a little yes, bit okay. here and there to make that happen. Yep. That's, what it, that's what it takes because – that's where the information flows. That's where everybody gets united. That's where all the friends get together and rejuvenate, even though there are a lot of them are working, but they get rejuvenated to be able to go out and do the fight that they, that they need to do. That's where people learn, and that's what we got to have all over the country. So I implore these people, please, okay. donate what you can. Donate to all these festivals right. because it takes money to do it. All right, Thank you very much Oh, thank I'm you, really thank you for having me on. Thank you. And I look thank forward you for to uh, uh, I look forward to the time I get to see you again. 
All right. Well, I can't wait either. I'm excited, and I know um, Mindy's excited to meet you. I know she she really missed out on meeting you. Like she really you she really wanted to meet you, but um, she wasn't able to make it. So hopefully next time. It'd be great. Definitely. All right. All right. Well, thank well, you so have... much, Jeff. All right. Take care. Tell everybody thank you. All right. Bye. Love, Love you. Love you all. Bye-bye. Tell Chris we said hi. I sure will. All right. Take care. Thank you. Bye-bye. You too. Bye. All right. You guys, that was, that was our hero, Jeff Mazansky. We love you, Jeff. Thank you so much for letting your voice be heard on our radio show. Um, these are the voices of the war, and um, that was Jeff Mazansky. 21 years of a life sentence, he was free and is able to inspire all the rest of us to keep working hard and to put time and energy into where it counts. Next, we usually hear from Tom Corby, but he hasn't quite called in yet. But in the meantime, um, we're, we, we're going to give about another five minutes for Tom to call in. And if he doesn't call in, then we are just going to end the show. But if he does call in, we're going to talk to him. But in the meantime, I would just want to bring our friend Adam Young on the line, who is the voice of the cannabis war, who fights for our prisoners on a regular basis, um, and who was at this Seattle Hemp Fest and is going to be helping at the Portland Hemp Stock as well. He helped get letters signed. He helped do all of our prison outreach. Um, but he also had a chance to meet Jeff and George and watch the movie and be at the fest. And let's just talk to him a second about what his experience was like at the Seattle Hemp Fest. Good morning, Adam. Good morning, Kristen. How are you doing? Good. I'm good. I was going to put you on, but I'm good. I'm good. Uh, we, had a, we had a long weekend, a long and fun weekend this weekend. Yeah, yeah. No, it was really good. Um, yeah, it was incredible. I mean, I, I've been telling the story all week. You know, I work at a, uh, um, a safe access point for cannabis down in Vancouver, Washington. So I get to meet a lot of, you know, the people that do partake in this wonderful plant. And it's so great, like, telling the story of not only going to Seattle Health Fest, but also meeting, the, meeting you know, the great people who have been um, locked up and unfortunately have gotten out and uh, telling that story was incredible by itself so yeah meeting Jeff and his son and George yeah, it, was, it was awesome I mean that I, you know it, I had I didn't have high expectations for this fest, but I was very excited to go but the only reason I say that is that is because you know that back in 2014 that Hempfest was just incredible there were so many people. Uh, the volunteers that we had on staff that weekend were just amazing. I mean, that's where I met Tony, and, you know, you and I had already met before that. But, you know, that hemp fest was Hold just, on, I just want to say so something real quick. I just want to say, yeah. something, say something real quick, okay? You're on the line, and you met the love of your life at the Seattle Hemp Fest 2014. Mindy's on the line, and she met the love of her life at the Seattle Hemp Fest 2015. Um, mm. But anyway, I was just putting out there. Okay, keep going. Sorry. Kristen, yeah, it's your cool. turn next. Kristen's going to be in her life. <laughs> 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 well, I, I have some fun at the Hemp Fest. I know I didn't, but okay, go ahead. Go ahead, Adam. Sorry to interrupt you. No, no, no. It's all good. So, yeah, it was just, it was really impactful to me to actually meet George and Jeff and his son and, um, you know, to, like, hang out with those guys and talk with them and, you know, they're like to know that they've they've lost. Well, let's just forget. I hate like dwelling on the fact that they've lost all those years, but it, it that's what actually happened. But even though they've lost all those years, 
they're in such positive moods, and they're and they're they're advocating with gusto, and they're like, I mean, it's it's great to see. So, for me, meeting those guys, you know, last weekend and the Hemp Fest, the 25th anniversary, of it, we didn't have, you know, Sunday actually was kind of busy day, but I don't think the number of people that might have been there that was back in 2014, but. You know, I think a lot of that has to do with what Jeff kind of talked about a little bit and that people think because it's recreationally legal here that the war is over, but it's far from over. Um, Federally, it's still scheduled on the the DEA can still arrest you. The feds can still arrest you. People are still going to jail. Um, People are still being found guilty and going to jail for long sentences, even now in 2016. So, you know, it's far from over, and that's it's just hard to get that message out to people. And, and also, like Jeff was saying, it's how do you encourage people to get into it when, you know, if they're not sick and they don't need it, it's like it's, it's so many of us only react or act, it, it, you know, as a reaction. We don't take that um, preventative action, so to speak. But, you know, I don't know. It's just sorry for rambling, but, yeah, it's hard to get – it's hard to get people to understand that the war is far from over, even though it is legal. And it's great that people can buy weed at safe access points here in Washington, Oregon, Alaska, et cetera. But, you know, you go down to Texas, South Carolina, Alabama, Georgia, Illinois, Wisconsin, it doesn't matter. Like, it's still super illegal in those states. Missouri, where Jeff is at, you know, uh, New York, where George is at, you know, it's still a big deal. And the war is far from over. Right. Um, that's you're right, Adam. And what and you especially being out there in the front lines, working hard, and we're gonna see you in Portland. And I just want to say one thing. I know you and Mindy, or not you and Mindy, you and Tony. Um, you guys got to spend some good time. We all got to spend some good time with Adela, who runs POW 420. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And Absolutely. He was at the movie. I just want to. I know you guys are love, love, love Adela, and that was awesome. I'm, I was happy to see you guys get to hang out and stuff, and that was cool. Yeah, Adela's awesome, man. Uh, you know, her and Dennis, they're great. Uh, Jared Alloway, uh, I forget his brother. He was with, she was awesome, too. Yeah, you know, yeah, yeah. So it's, you know, Stephanie. I mean, we saw all the old faces that we like to see her. there. Mm, yeah, she was very busy. I actually, we hugged while she was going from one speaking event to another. So it was all in passing, but. Um, oh, wow. Yeah, you know, it's, 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 it's glad to, I was glad to see a lot of the same volunteer faces. Um, so that's always a good thing. Um, so, yeah, yeah, it was a great, great time. I'm so glad and fortunate that I was able to go. So. Well, so, so let's just say this real fast. Um, for HempFest next year, Mindy, I'm, I, I'm really excited to tell you about this, too. I, we haven't had a lot of time to talk, but um, we came up with a really good idea, and that's to – you know, instead of having a booth next year, um, we talked to Sharon about it already, and she loves the idea, and she's down for it, and she's she's good she's good with it. But instead of having a um, a booth next year at the Hemp Fest, we're asking for a little area of the grass where we could put up you know five to ten tables with some umbrellas on them, so people walking through the fest can come, sit in our little prison outreach area, sign, sit down, sign some letters, talk to us. Um, prison outreach experts about our prisoners, a place where we could put up signs amongst the trees, um, signs all over all over the little area, be kind of a little spot to kick back and do prison outreach from. And she loved it. So next year we got a really good um, – awesome. re- 
Isn't it, Mindy? Like, and the ideas just keep coming. We could decorate it with signs, put signs on the trees, signs at the tables. Um, we, we've already thought of some good ways of funding it and all, all sorts of stuff. So um, we're going to have a whole area, like a park area for, for prison outreach, and people can come, and they're tired of walking around the fest. There's not a lot of places you can just go sit down. So they'll be able to come and, and get some education and maybe some water or something. I don't, I don't know. Maybe we can serve snacks or something like that. And we'll be able to put donation jars out for commissary and um, have our letters, three, four letters at each table, and people can just kick back and figure it out. Well, my wish is that by next year there won't be any prisoners left for us to outreach to, and we're just going to be sitting there twiddling on our thumbs wondering what to do. <laughs> yep, that would be great. So I, I think we lost Adam, but I'm going to unlike this phone because I think it's Adam, is that you? Yeah, hi. <laughs> okay, we lost you for a second, but we were just talking about, uh, me and Mindy and I were just talking about prison outreach for next year. Okay, yeah. So. Yeah. Um, yeah. You know, I'm with Jeff, so I think we do, you know, he was kind of touching on a few things that I think it, it's hard to grasp, like, how do you get people excited about this? How do you get the people to write those initial stories to get the word out? How, you know, and we saw it. I mean, there were people that literally down for signatures. All they had to do was sign their name. And that's their right. They don't need to do that. I understand that. So we shouldn't, and nobody should feel pressured to have to sign their name. But if you're at Hempfest and you're watching Jeff on stage talk about how he was just in jail, in prison, right? For 21 yeah, years, yeah. and that he just got out, and here's his son, and blah blah blah, and you don't find your name. That's like it's kind of troubling to me at Hempfest. We had more than a few people say no, they didn't want to sign. So it is a matter of, I mean, if we can't get people at Hempfest to sign these letters, we need to figure out a good way to get people excited or get people motivated just to sign a signature, you know? Because um, again, right. people think the war is over. So. Okay, okay. Well, Adam, um, we're going to get ready to close out the show. Um, what did you think about the movie? movie was great. You know, um, I understand it's still a work in progress, so it sounds like, you know, there's even more footage and a lot more he's going to put into it. So, you know, it was great. I, I You know, I enjoyed it. I, I'm thrilled that Jeff is out there, um, you know, advocating through his art, you know, for the prisoners. Yeah. So it's great. I know, it was cool, it was cool. It was 58 minutes long, and that was just the preview of a six series of different movies coming coming uh, to us in the future. So stay tuned oh, for the lifers Henry. Oh. <laughs> yeah, we yeah, had fun with Jeff Eichens, uh, by the way, everybody. <laughs> yeah, it was, awesome. yeah, it was, it was nice. Mike was yeah, awesome. he, he let us, uh, you know, work his booth with him, and that was uh, very kind of him, but... Uh, yeah, it was great. Yeah, it's great. I, you know, the fact that he's doing it and it doesn't seem that, you know, he's been directly affected by it is really cool. You know, that it takes a special person to want to do something like that, you know? Okay. Well, um, I just want to also um, send a shout-out to Tony, who was there, and to Miggy, who was there, and all of them helped get letters yeah. signed, and... That was cool. Yes, absolutely. Uh, All the volunteers. 
Alright, well, um, I guess we'll let you go, Autumn, and thank you for coming in this morning. Alright, Kristen, thanks for doing what you do. And you too, Mindy. You guys provide an awesome show every week, so thank you. Thank you, You're Adam. Welcome. Thank you. You have a beautiful week. You too. Thanks. Hey. All right. Bye. All right, you guys. That was Adam Young. Bye. That was Adam Young, one of our volunteers from the Seattle area, the Puget Sound area of Washington, um, who does a lot of puts a lot of heart and soul. In fact, he's a volunteer for the Human Solution and helped build their website. He's going to be helping us with our website and. Yeah, he just does a lot to help get the voices out there. Um, so now um, we're, uh, we're about to close the show, but I just want to send, like, a shout-out to the New Jersey Weed Man who um, is going to trial soon out in New Jersey. Um, so vote not guilty, who is also at the Seattle Hemp Fest, um, fighting for uh, not guilty in his trial. So um, we were hoping that Tom would call in, but we haven't got Tom to call in yet. So we're going to close out the show. Um, well, first of all, we want to thank all of the volunteers for helping us with the show, especially Becca. Last week, last week we had to do a rerun because it was the Seattle Hemp Fest, um, and so we weren't able to make it that that morning. So Becca uploaded the show for us. She's also a screener for us. We want to thank her. We want to thank uh, CCHI 2016 for giving us this platform. Also, you to Eugene Fisher, who is not here right now, and we're going to get more into him later. But he was also a XPOW who spent 30, 25 years of a life sentence in prison for cannabis and was the other host of our radio show uh, who just recently passed away. Also, thanks to Mindy for helping to host the show and all the callers and all the listeners and all the volunteers who helped to get the voices out. Um, the, the, magazine, um, the magazines that we write for, the Northwest Leaf and the, North, the Vegas, the Vegas Canamag, for letting our voices be heard through their outlets of, of, uh, hmm, I don't know. I lost my wording there. But I just want to also remind everybody that we could end the war right now just by saying not guilty. Uh, we've been through jury nullification once already through this show, but just remember if you call it, call it a jury duty, judge the law, not if it's broken um, or not. Actually judge that law. If it's a bad law, say not guilty and participate on what's the day uh september 5th fija.org please go to their website there um, it is national national jury nullification day uh jury rights day and it's going to be a whole jury rights week so that week any activist whether you're here for the cannabis movement or the drug war or you know the homeless homeless uh war you know people go to jail all the time for being homeless um, mass incarceration, whatever your cause is, Black Lives Matters, well, jury vilification can help your cause. It can help all of the little wars. And if it helped all the little wars, the whole big war would just be demolished. So we can do that. We can also end the cannabis war and the drug war right now by not snitching. It's by telling on each other because when we tell each other, we give the government information and they have more cases against us and that gives us more time and it puts us back in prison. Well, half of us are free and the other half of us are starving to death, being shackled to death, treated to death, all that. So stop snitching, and we can end the war right now by stop snitching and not giving the government information. We also want to say um, <clears throat> a good friend of mine by the name of Richard DeLisi, who's serving his 28th year in a Florida state prison, wants to be home with his family. He does not want to spend one more single day in prison 
okay, with his roommate, his prison roommate. He does not like him. He got scabies by him. That's just so gross. Richard does not want to live in that environment no more. He's been in it for 28 years for cannabis. In fact, he was one of our one of our heroes who brought it to us when the federal government wouldn't let us have it. He supplied us with a lot of our cannabis back in the day when we when we couldn't when we couldn't grow it. So let's free Richard DeLisi right now by calling Governor uh, Rick Scott and telling him to free him now. Yesterday, free Richard DeLisi. All right. Well. Um, now we're going to go into our closing, and the first person I want to say rest in two is a man by the name of Eugene Fisher, who we talk about on this show regularly. He helped make this show. In fact, he was the host of this show for the last year. Um, he's a man who stood up for himself and others um, by getting himself free after 25 years of a life sentence for fe- in, uh, our federal government held him for. He's also the best friend of George, George Monterano, who calls into the show every week. Um, he also helped all the prisoners he left behind. He's a civil rights leader. Um, and we're going to just miss Eugene because not only was he all these things, but he is also a very, 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 very good friend to Mindy and I. Um, he helped us through a lot of our personal, our personal issues, and he is just a man that we'll always love and respect and remember on this show forever. Also, next, we're going to say rest in peace to Richard Floor. That is my father, who was shackled to a bed for like almost two days before they finally called me to tell me that he had two major heart attacks. Guess what, though? My dad didn't die. He waited for me to get to that hospital and waited for me to take him off with life support to die. He fought the federal government behind bars where he couldn't even get out. He was forced to go with no medical help at all, absolutely freaking none, okay? Survived it survived it broken bones everything my, my my poor fucking dad suffered tremendously in prison for four months he was just neglected and tormented to death the nurses he had dementia and the nurses accused him of faking his illnesses when he was growing growing cancer in his stomach you know like that's why i say he was tortured to death because he was teased by the nurses when they were supposed to be helping get him medical care they were denying it to him you know what? My dad ain't the only one. That's why I fight so hard is because nobody should have to die in prison like my dad did. I know what a federal death is like because you know what? He wouldn't die. So I had to fly all the way out to Vegas while he was still shackled to a bed, which I didn't even know. I didn't even know he was shackled to the bed. Oh, in fact, I'm looking at the date right now. Today's the 28th. So in two days from now, it's going to be about five years since my father's death. Well, no, I think he died in 2012. No, 2011. Yep, rest in peace to my father. His anniversary of his death is coming up, and I just just noticed that. I just paid attention to that. But, you know, what? it don't matter that he died because everybody dies. What matters is how he died, what he represented when he died. And the fact that I still carry my dad's ashes everywhere I go in this movement just so that he can be remembered because he left a legacy. You see, my father, he fought for what he believed in. He had five different dispensaries in Montana, and he's following all the state laws. In fact, he was even following the, the damn Ogden memo that the, the, the federal government made. But guess what? It didn't matter in federal court because they do not allow state laws in federal court. My dad represented the patients. He represented our civil rights. He represented him as a father to me and taught me to fight for what I believe in. That's why 
I'm doing this radio show today. That's why I did the radio show last week, the week before. That's why I get out all these temp fests. That's why I have been a leader in ending the war since the day my father, since the day I removed him from life support. But you know what? The only regrets I have about my father's death is one regret. Because after I removed him from the life support, they pulled the covers off of him. And guess what? My dad, he was still chained to the bed. And had I known that, I would have taken him off. I would, have, I would not have refused. I would have refused to take him off life support until you unchain him. But I didn't know. And that's my only regret is that he did not die a free man. But he is free now. Rest in peace, Dad. Next, I want to say rest in peace uh, to Stacy, Stacy's uncle, Jake Shepard's father. Now, this man, oh my gosh, he he's a warrior. He has yes, he didn't even go to prison because during a raid, he fought for his plants. He stood up before the government. Before 21 of their bullets shot him down, he put his hands in the air while him and Mary Jane, Mary Jane Jones was shot down. Mary Jane didn't have her hands in the air because she was holding baby Jake. Gary died, died, and Mary Jane Jones lived after being shot down another 20 years and just recently passed away. Rest in peace to Gary. Rest in peace to Mary Jane Jones. Also rest in peace to Jack Hare, who left us a book called The Emperor Wears No Clothes. And if you want to know what this war is all about and why and where and how and why would the government do this, what is going on, why do they keep us from all this, read the book, The Emperor Knows, Where Emperor Wears No Clothes by Jack Hare. And after you read that book, if you're tortured by the thought of the war, read Peter McWilliams' books. Peter McWilliams was a civil rights leader who was a libertarian, fought for the libertarian cause, also fought for gay rights and medical cannabis. Peter was on probation for growing some plants that helped him with his nausea when he passed away. But he left us with lots and lots of books to remember him by, like how to how to deal with death, which helped me get through my own father's death. Check out his inspirational books that he left us, Peter McWilliams, rest in peace. Also rest in peace to Bill Amorte, who represents the Fourth of July basically for me, because the Fourth of July is about freedom. And when Eugene Fisher was in prison with Bill Amorte, he died after 20 years. For, he was in prison for Bill Morte and in prison for cannabis. And after 20 years, he was walking in the prison yard of his life sentence. He was walking in, his, in the prison yard on the 4th of July and suffered from a couple major heart attacks and died. He grabbed his chest and died. He was never thought of, but yet we don't know him, but yet he is one of our biggest heroes in this war, Bill Morte. Also, rest in peace to Larry Harvey, who was a defendant in the Kettle Falls 5 case, who fought for all of our rights by making trips to D.C. He died right in the middle of his whole family um, being sentenced and being found guilty and um, right in the middle of the war. And also, rest in peace to Dee Young for giving us Adam. We heard from Adam earlier on the show. And Dee died in the middle of the war. Um, she, had, she came to Washington to get help for her cancer, and she brought us more to Washington in her cancer is amazing. Thank you, Dee. Also, rest in peace to Curtis Cecil, whose father called into our radio show earlier today to tell us all about his life in prison, his life sentence that was just cut down to 30 years. What the what? And oh my goodness, I the compassion our judges have. I'll tell you, they just 
I don't understand it. But in the meantime, of all of Craig Cecil's 15 years in prison, he lost his son and wasn't even there to go to his funeral. Also, rest in peace to Spencer Coptis and Cashy Hyde, who were very two little children who were using the plant for their medicine as it was killing their tumors that were growing in their brains. Well, when the when the when they got the tumors, or when the, when the, when they were raided, their caregivers were raided, they weren't able to get the medicine that they needed, and so their tumors grew out of control, and they passed away right in the middle of the war. And also, rest in peace to Bernardo Fumo Martinez, who was helping us win in the war on a, on a worldly level. In fact, I shared a video of me and Fumo um, advocating for jury nullification on my Facebook page today, and it's also on our Voices of the Cannabis Wars page. So check it out. It was from a couple years ago, but. Um, we were fighting for Poppy in the Bellingham Three, and we did a video, and it teaches you all about your jury rights. So check that out. Also, rest in peace to Elaine Salmons, who is the Salmons, who is the Onac tribe, who was using the medicine, and the Onac tribe was sending her the medicine, and the post office intercepted it. She wasn't able to get the medicine no more, and all of her symptoms just went so crazy from her illnesses that she passed away. Rest in peace to her and to Oscar, who was a friend of Georgie's. George's and Eugene's, that they say he went to FCI in the sky. Rest in peace to um, all of the people that died in the war that I did not mention. And please help us end this war right now so that all of our lifers do not have to die there and all of our plant prisoners can come home and be with their families and that the war can be over. Next, I'm going to play a song called Kushite Sikhsta called No More War. Um, it's a really cool song because it just means no more war. So check it out right from Kushite Sikhsa. And have a beautiful Sunday. Oh, and after this, I might play a couple more songs, so stay tuned.
but they black dancers. Time for peaceful revolution like the Black Panthers. Cause we got solutions, yup, the answer to cancer. But they still got it up on schedule one. Why? Cause they making funds off of federal runs. Selling American guns for drugs and Mexican slums. The fast and the furious, killing off our children. Time to make a stand to demand the masses furious. While they kids education is growing more Funds spent for fly killing drones While CNN and Patriot commercials breed human drones from home Recording scripted terrorist training in places you can't visit So the real plan of extinction you don't get it. The country surrounding Israel, the holy land is now being in W.O. committed. The war is spiritual, but through the mind, the actions is how they get it. Or should I say distract? They say it's oil, but it's deeper than that. It's just more smoke to the mirror, so I radiate more hope clearer. Shed tears for my peers, the judgment day gets nearer. So I exercise mightier than the sword. Use the pen to paint the lines with conscious mind the world can explore. So maybe you can find out why it bring us to war. Some of the most powerful things of thought that has made of men. Some of the most cowardly shit that's ever known to Respect, loyalty, honor, love has all disappeared. And been replaced with gunshots, body bags, cannibalism amongst our peers. You should we murder by disagreements and we shake hands with our enemies. We shake hands with our enemies and murder our disagreements and put them on a pedestal with some sort of achievement. Being a man is not based on the people you shot or how poor you get right. Being a man is one who's able to feed his family when times are tight. We are in a recession, suffering with depression, so lower your Bibles and load your weapons. How many times must we pray before we start losing our blessings? How many loved ones must we lose before we taught ourselves a lesson? Reach one, each one, teach one, empower the All right, you guys, check that one out. That was Kushite Sista, No More War. I'm going to play two more songs, which are really cool songs, because guess what? A plant prisoner wrote them and got them published while he was in prison. And so these kind of relate to a prison sentence. Um, and this guy, Carrie Lee Woosley, he made the billboard, the billboard charts on a couple of the songs that he launched from prison. So... Check this one out. This one's called Carrie Lee Woosley, These Walls Around Me. And after this one, after that, we're going to play Carrie Lee Woosley, Freedom. But um, remember, Jury Rights Day, 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 September 5th, September 6th, September 5th. Here we go. Check it out. I've got these walls around me, so tell me how you found me. Thought I'd never see your face again. And am I just dreaming? I'm just a feeling for someone to call a friend. I feel a million miles away from this life of mine. Punishments from things done wrong make you do sometimes. You do what you do, thinking what you do will pass somehow. I've got these walls around me, so tell me how you found me. Thought I'd never see your face again. And 
He's in prison talking about he didn't take the deal and blah, 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 which leads me to the thoughts and the reminder of don't ditch because um, here we got people locked up and the snitches are free for doing the same crime. It's just to me like the government really cared about getting people for committing crimes, then they wouldn't be letting the snitches go, which just tells me it's just a mass incarceration conspiracy in order to create profit in prison in order to make them rich 
and the more people they can have in prison, the better, because the richer they are. So that's called mass incarceration, and um, it shouldn't be acceptable. And when we snitch on each other, we are giving into mass incarceration, and we're just allowing other people to turn into slaves. So stop snitching because it goes deeper than just telling somebody and get yourself free. You're actually part of part of a mass conspiracy to enslave people, and it's not acceptable. We're in 2016 now, and even though, you know, it's not like it used to be slavery, it's called modern-day slavery. Modern-day slavery exists. And it's and we we can't allow it to exist anymore. So stop snitching and check out this song, uh, "Freedom" by Carrie Lee Woosley. Oh, and by the way, Carrie Lee Woosley is going to be out of prison soon. After his, I think he's been in there for like 13 years. I think within the year he'll be out. So hopefully we can get him. His his music's already a voice on our show, and he's been on our show as he's called in from federal prison before. And hopefully we can get him to be a voice for the rest of them on our show. So check this song out. I really love it and. Uh, vote not guilty and stop snitching. Carry on. My freedom, well, it leaves me today. These last few months went warp speed, I must say. You'd leave me and walk away Oh, babe So now I sit here and I pray It really makes our future seem so great Just tell me that you'll wait for me someday Got your freedom and a heart that is filled for me, and I will not let them take it away. While you say we don't need it, well, that's easy for them to say. Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away. Freedom, babe. I told I'd be free and walk away I lost my freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom And a heart that is filled for me And I will not let them take it away Well, you say we don't need it Well, that's easy for them to Well, hold me tight, don't let them put me away Freedom, babe Well, you got your freedom 
another song just because I saw another song on this. We have so many songs on the list here, uh, audio clips. And the next song, uh, there's another one next year, next week I'm going to upload that I think you guys are really going to like, but I haven't had a chance to do it yet. But um, this one is called Real One, It's Just a Plant. And I really like Real One, It's Just a Plant, because Real One, It's Just a Plant, is just it's real and it's just a plant. And it's Real One. And he is um, always comes out to the Portland hemp stock, so maybe he'll be there. Real One has two friends, Luke and Ricardo, was actually two of the first prisoners I, I started advocating for after my dad died. But Luke and Ricardo went to trial, were found guilty, which they could have found him not guilty. And in fact, one of the jurors re, uh, regretted their their guilty plea and wished to change it afterwards, but afterwards it was too late. So, um, you know, they ended up then being sentenced to 20, 20 and 22-year sentences, and they have little children, little girls. In fact, their daughter, one of their daughters, Luke's daughter, called into our show a couple months ago. She's got a, a change.org petition out there where she's trying to get people to sign it in order to get her and um, Luke's, Luke, here, her dad and um, Luke's dad, or Luke's, Luke and Ricardo's daughter did it so that they can get their dads free. So check into that one. But in the meantime... I think this might be the last song I play. It's called It's Just a Plant from Real One. Cause herb is superb Don't run from the tears Spread the word Ask Rick Simpson He got the answer Find out how he cured cancer Look it up on YouTube Show a friend or two It might be worth a shot To save a life or two It's amazing What a little hemp oil can do Especially when it kills What I lost my mom to And it's illegal It saves people We don't get another chance No sequel So why we wasting time Fighting against this medicine And putting people like Eddie I'm on a mission with this marijuana movement to get the word out, to get the facts proven. Live strong, live strong, live long. Kick back, take a hit from your bones.
on hip history. 1115 it's Sunday and we all got things to do I'm about to maybe hit up the gym just wanna think about um, the week ahead of me and do a few things out there so I will have to stop playing songs and talk to you guys next week thank you for listening to our voice our show the voices of the cannabis wars news from the front lines have a beautiful Sunday thank you and have a have a good day a good week bye